What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Coffee with Colin. It is Wednesday. Yes, it is Wednesday. You may be asking, well, Colin, it's Wednesday. What are you doing doing Coffee with Colin on a Wednesday? Normally, you do it on a Monday. Now, that doesn't matter for the rest of you who watch the show afterwards. Uh, but, you know, for sometimes, occasionally, we do this for special guests out there. And for tonight, we've got a special guest that I'm excited to be bringing to you tonight because this guy is uh, this guy is someone who I've just had the uh, the brief pleasure of speaking with for a little bit. But this guy is incredibly inspiring. And this show is all about inspiring you to be your best. And on this show, I love to ask my guests all about what it took for them to aspire and achieve their goals and their dreams. And this guy is on his way and has made it at the top of stages of the world in Hollywood and around the world. And you may know him from several movies, one of my favorite movies, Ford vs. Ferrari, which I can't wait to uh, to ask him about. And uh, he's won a ton of awards, so I'm super jealous that he's won acting awards for his, his talent. Not only is he talented, he's incredibly handsome, incredibly charming. The guy looks like Superman. I think he's probably in line to play the next Superman. Uh, he studied acting at Carnegie Mellon University, so I'm excited to be chatting with him about that, what it was like, what that experience was like. He's from Germany. And he's come all the way virtually through the internet into your living room, ladies and gentlemen. Very special, very, very, very special evening for us to be chatting with him tonight. Um, you know him from Pretty Little Liars. Of course, the show that ran for seven seasons on ABC Family. This is probably what you know him best for. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to ask him about the show and what he thought of it, what it was like kissing Lucy Hale. Of course, the beauty beautiful Lucy Hale. And uh, he's also written a book similar to me. So we've got plenty to talk about. So without further ado, I'm sure you guys are bored of listening to me just blabber on. We're going to bring him to the stage now. So please welcome to the stage, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ian Harding. Oh, man. This is... What's up, Ian? What an, uh, what an introduction, really. I mean, that's just pretty amazing. And then, uh, and then on top of that, like, I don't know, you know, being brought to the stage, especially this day and age, and when everything is is Zoom and via via the internet and whatnot, or y'all, you're yeah. literally sitting in your dining room and you're like sitting oh. in the, and the now I'm here. living room, broadcasting with forty thousand watts, yeah, through the internet, and here we are. Wow, wow, yeah. yeah. So where you uh, you mentioned you're in Connecticut, right? I'm now, in Connecticut right? at the moment, yeah, um, and just sort of renting a spot and and sort of perusing and sort of come it's been it's been an interesting thing because i you know i've lived in la for the past 12 years and i've really loved it but you know i was always an east coast kid and so we're trying to um see where we might want to put down roots and try something different so you know we yeah. are and yeah for all of the ladies out there they're going to be disappointed because when you say we, you mean me and my wife. Um, oh, your wife, has, you're married. Oh, yeah. we just crushed like 4 million girls hearts. <laughs> yeah, no, it's also, you know, I, this is the crazy thing. And I'm, and you know, this too, of like when um, you've done something and you're known for the sort of romantic character and, and you don't want to let people down while at the same time, you know, Sophia, my wife and I, we've been together for the entirety of Pretty Little Liars, literally like the, the whole whole run. And and so, you know, it's always fun 
um, and, and Lucy Hale and I always joke about this, that people were like, so was there ever? And it was like, yeah, you know, this is especially strange given the context of the relationship on screen, but Lucy so like really feels like a sister, you know? And so you're like, really yeah. a sister that you make out with. That's really, really gross. Uh, yeah. I watched a yeah. little uh, YouTube clip about you actually describing and talking about that very thing of what it was like to kiss Lucy. And you're like, well, and people ask me about this too. It's like, you know, when you are doing these makeout scenes or sex scenes yeah. in movies, is it like, are you guys, is it romantic? Is it passionate? And it's like, well, if you call having 40 random strangers watching you like take your clothes off and it's essentially choreographed where you're like, okay, is it okay if I put my hand on your mm -hmm. left thingy? And if I yeah. touch you here and we're going to rotate and roll around here and then it's, it's choreographed. It's very, um, it can be very uncomfortable. And uh, I yeah. am sure it was like with Lucy, someone who you would consider maybe your sister. I've been in that situation where afterwards you're like, yep. Okay. That was, uh, that was fun. Yeah. Where it's almost, it's another form of work and almost it's like, um, it's like you would have banter that you would around the water cooler at a normal office, except that water cooler is a bed that you're rolling around in and is now covered in the body makeup that both of you were sprayed with to within an inch of your lives. So, uh, or more so me, less so her, you know, I had to get those, um, uh, camera ready abs and it was all you know uh, spray painted spray paint of course <laughs> there was like you know I don't I, I was always so flabbergasted when like a lot of you know several of my other male co-stars like um, Keegan Allen or Drew Van Acker who was a legit like Gucci model at one point and I mean he has true abdominal characteristics that would you would think you could grate cheese on his abdomen <laughs> Abdominal characteristics. I, like I have the wheel of cheese on my <laughs> on my stomach, you know, and that's great. And especially as I've grown older and and um, you know, I like have have defined myself as other than an actor. Yeah, you you don't you learn to not care uh, as much, and so yeah, it's lovely. So what? So let's just dive into it. So you've mm -hmm. been married for how long? For how many years? Mm -hmm. We've been married only for uh, since the end of. 2019 and it was hilarious because we thought like you know okay we're gonna save our honeymoon 2020 it's gonna be the year of travel yeah. <laughs> and uh we were wrong and uh, but we we were together we first got together in um 2010 so early 2010 how'd you meet uh we we went to school together but we didn't we didn't date in school we were just kind of chums and friends and then um she was a year behind me this is at Carnegie Mellon. At Carnegie Mellon. And okay, so, so she's an actress as well. She she was, and then she graduated. And she was like, "Wait a minute, I hate this profession." Um, she's like, you know, she also she was one of these people that um, it reminds me of like young athletes or people that show uh, like athletes that show promise at a very young mm -hmm. age is you know understanding like your your loving and adoring parents say like, "Oh, great, we're going to like streamline you in that." So. She went to like a performing arts high school in Miami and then like went to Carnegie Mellon and but was never given the opportunity um, to explore other creative outlets. And she always had this knack for photography. But, you know, no, it's got to be, you know, the play and we're going to do the next uh, we have the auditions and dance and blah, blah. Yeah. And then once she got out into L.A. and, you know, especially in your first year in L.A., you're kind of like what? Seeing the business, going on auditions. It was like, you know what? 
I'm going to be smart. Yeah. I'm going to not do this. <laughs> yeah. She, she was kind of like, wait, I could do all of these other things. And so yeah. she experimented for a while and, and tried to, and saw like, you know, worked with uh, a, a different photographers and almost was like, they're, they're not understudy. What am I saying? Um, they're not like assistant, but kind of, you know, but then could also do her own shoots and, and mm-hmm. create her own lighting and, and everything. And, um, and then really had a knack for it. And she's been, you know, shooting ever since. And, and in 2019, right. I mean, I think before the pandemic, uh, like right before the pandemic, she shot the cover of uh, New York magazines, the cut with uh, Lucy Boynton and, you know, it was like a, you know, coming full circle. So she, I'm very grateful that she's not an actress. Um, it's great for self tapes. Actually, no, she's it's terrible. Background. Why? Because she's like critiquing you and directing you. She's and... too good. You know, yeah, that of... was like, you, come on, give me something more, Ian. Come on. Well, she'll shut it off and be like, you know, yeah, I don't believe it. <laughs> Anymore. I'm like, you know what? I don't believe it either. Can you just put this on tape? <laughs> like, I'm supposed to be playing like, what is this role now? Some a, an ogre with wings or something? I don't know. And I'm shooting this in our garage. Let me just fake this, you know? Well, um, she but yeah. sounds like she's incredibly supportive. And, um, and the fact that uh, you've been this heartthrob for as long as you have, um, you know, for her to be able to go on this amazing ride with you says a lot about who she is and... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I I could see why just being out there in Hollywood and meeting so many, so many people who who actors who date actresses, it's it's tough because you know, actor we have different projects in different parts of the world and we're gone for weeks on end, and it really can put a strain on your relationship. So um, yeah, the fact that you guys have been able to uh, to make it work uh, says a, a lot about who you are, especially with sure all the love letters that you get from your fans you know it's and i'm very grateful for those they're very kind and uh uh you know i think it's also the the thing of knowing that having, having also like known me before any sort of success and mm. and and being she's very much the safe space that you come home to mm-hmm. you know it especially when your line of work and i've tried so hard and i i know you know, you know, this game, which is, you know, you get the, you get the pilot and that role that you really love. And for once I get to keep my shirt on you know? <laughs> and, like, and then it doesn't go to series and you're like, Oh, yeah, great. You know? And, and then the next thing that does, you're like, and you're naked in it. I'm like, come on, man. Can I just, can I play a sexless character? But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. But again, these are all great problems to have. So I was this uh, was it love at first sight? And when it when it comes to relationships and the you know the topic of love, a lot of people that I meet they ask you know or they who who I talk to um, the the topic of looks comes up where people mm-hmm. will say, well, I don't look like so and so, so why would anyone like me? And uh, you know, yeah. I, I always I always just revert to I I always say, what is your favorite movie? And whenever yeah, they yeah. say like whatever character is their favorite movie, I say, did you fall in love with that character because of the way they looked or did you fall in love with them for what they, what their dream was, what the challenges that they overcame in pursuing mm-hmm. that dream. And, mm-hmm. you know, we fall in love with people for who they are, what they overcome and, mm-hmm. uh, and they, what they want to create in life. Uh, what is it about your wife that uh, attracted you to her? Yeah, you know, what was great was um, both having the sort of a previous history, like we always say that, you know, 
we met on such and such a date, but in reality, we knew each other three years prior, you know? Mm. Um, so I've known her for now going on, I guess, almost 15 years. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was, it was because I was not searching for it. It was because I was coming out of a relationship at that time, um, like sort of, and, and was really had my head sort of messed up by it. And, and she was literally sitting on this back porch at our friend's house. And we, and I, I'm like, Oh my God, Hey, Sophia, how's it going? And uh, we just sit down and we start chatting. And because there was no um, ulterior motive, there was certainly no, no game. pressure, like being on a date. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, she said like, Hey, do you want, you know, I just got to LA and I only know, you know, our friend Jeremy and like two of the people, would you want to hang out sometime? You know, where do you live in the city? And at that time we lived very close to each other. Mm. And I said, yeah, well, you know, the great thing about being on this TV show that I'm on now, which had just started was that, you know, sometimes my scenes would all be in one location. And because that was like, you know, Warner brothers and, you know, then ABC family, they were all about like, they were well-oiled machines. So they're like, yeah, we'll just shoot all of Ian's scenes in one day. And mm. so you're like, great. I have like six days off. You know, why don't, you know, why don't we hang out and go do something? And we hung out and it, and it didn't feel. One of my friends talked about this a little while ago, this, you know, language that we use to describe love. And, um, you know, people often talk about like, you know, I saw them and sparks flew. Like that's a phrase that's used a lot. Sparks flying usually means that there are two objects that are not meant to go together <laughs> or rubbing up against one another and creating so much friction that it's causing flames. So and someone is going to blow up. Right. And thank God there's not any oil around, you know, because um, yeah. it isn't a Bruce Willis movie. Um, but it, so with her, it, it just felt like click. It just felt, oh, oh, there you are. This mm -hmm. makes sense. And easy. Easy. The description that I always like to, that I heard that I, I always uh, like to refer to is it's, it's as easy as, as breathing. It just feels 100%. natural. Right. Right. And this is also, you know, not to say that um, the, you know, especially being now, I guess we got to go in 2010, it's 2022. It's going to be 12 years in, in August. Mm -hmm. Like, to say that there were no, you know, issues at all. Like that's, you know, you don't you don't go over a decade and have not a single right. hard discussion, you yeah. know. Um, but I think it's the desire to 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 work with the person and to smooth things out and to really connect and to to really believe at all times that we are on the same team and there's no, I need to win this fight. There's no trickery or manipulation. Mm -hmm. There's honesty to the point of like, <laughs> I mean, some of the, uh, I've had this concession, this discussion with a couple of other, you know, members of the business. And, uh, and I said, Oh yeah, my wife and I were talking about blah, blah, blah. The other night. And they were like, sorry, do you, you talked, that's what you guys talk about. And I was like, often <laughs> all the time. And they're like, whoa wait a minute like, well, like how does that pillows and toilet paper and just all the time and we're at a stage now where one of us could be sitting on the, this is too much information but fuck it here we are um you know like one of us will be on the can and, and the other's brushing the teeth and we'll be like 
talking Great. about the day, <laughs> you know? And it's not that there aren't two bathrooms. <laughs> like we just, <laughs> we just want to be together, you know? And That's so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, and when you have that level of, of intimacy and still like want to have fun and everything, then I think that's kind of, yeah. it's kind of it. Um, Do you think it's important that two people in a relationship have a goal in mind for what, where the where they see the relationship going or is it just, you just enjoy being in the present moment with her and it doesn't matter what happens in the future? Oh man, that's such a great question. And I, and I really want to hear your response on this too, because what we've sort of seen is, what can lead to a lot of stress and um, anxiety and, and, you know, comparison, I think in some ways kind of the root of all evil is like saying that either this is where we need to be mm-hmm. or this person has it down or this couple is, you know, the best or all that other kind of nonsense, I would say. We have just boiled our lives down to sort of brass tacks. Like what are the things that we need to do or what's the minimum and how do we do those things every day or every week? You know, like I, I you know, my manager and agents probably killed me for this, but like, you know, I, I, I just like working. I, as long as I am able to act and challenge myself and do something, mm-hmm. you know, I've even found challenges and like doing, I don't need to do like a Steven Spielberg film as much as I would love to do one, but like, you know, I, sometimes when you get bad dialogue, there's like a sick part of me that kind of loves it. Yeah. Because you have to make it work. Yeah. You know? Same. And That's as why long I was on as... soap opera for as long as I was. Right. You're like, <laughs> I can make this. And and like, and here we are. Like, clearly yeah. you can bring it to life even when you're like, oh, humans don't speak this way, you know? Um, yeah. But, but the, um, you know, with, with she and I, it's like, is she able to create every week? Is she, am I able to do this thing? Are we able to have a happy and healthy home? Like that's what it, we're just about kind of repeating that. Mm. Sure. There are, you know, places down the road that we would like to get to, but for the most part, our goals are something that are, I guess to, to simplify it, our goals are something that are continuously attainable. Um, that it's not, well, you know, if, if I'm not at this place by yeah. this time, you know, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. So, yeah. so do you, is that something that you have found in your own life? The sort of, you know, um, I think it's important to have mutual goals on where you see the relationship going because you may be incredibly attracted to someone physically, but unless you have shared values of where you see the relationship going and also things in common, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to fizzle out at one point or another. And I think a lot of the reason why marriages and relationships fail is because I think too many people, too many couples don't talk about what their future goals are for the relationship, why Mm -hmm, they are mm -hmm. together. And uh, my mom always gave a really great piece of advice. Um, She was a therapist and uh, she said, there's the two people in the relationship Mm -hmm, and it's important mm -hmm. that you love each other and do things for each other. But Mm -hmm. then there's the, relationship is a thing in and of itself yes and that the both of you should be working to water that relationship or feed that relationship so it's not just what you're doing for each other it's what are you doing for the relationship to further the goals and i mean much like if you were to look at your career 
and right, where right. you see yourself five years from now in your career, 10 years from now, and really thinking about and talking about where you see each other. Not that you have to have it all planned out perfectly, right. but like kids um, and talking about like, well, what if we don't have money 10 years from now? Yeah. Is that going to be okay with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, those kinds of questions, I think if more people ask those kinds of questions, I think more people would uh, really get to know each other for who they are. And, uh, and I think people are afraid to admit what their real feelings are for fear mm. that if they do authentically share who they really are, that the person is, is going to leave. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it's so true. And, and, and I, and I should, I suppose, add to, um, my previous comment in that we, we definitely talk about, okay, I would like to maybe within the next five years be at this place, you know, or, or in some cases it's quite literally a certain location. Like one of the reasons we're on the East coast now is because I, as much as I, I'm sorry, my dog's shaking. I'm so funny. Um, <laughs> is the, the boon of these, you know, all this stuff. Um, uh, but you know, the, the, the like, okay, I, I really love LA, but I, I can't see myself being here for mm. X amount of time. You know, my family's all on the East coast and, and I'd like to do this, that, and the other thing. This is something you'd want to do. And like you, and some, what's been really great is like, we're going to set a time limit. We're going to give it X number of years or a year or something. And we're just going to go and give it a shot and, mm. you know, we'll adapt and sort of grow with it accordingly. And, um, I think some of it is just having like a loose, like a skeleton, if you will, of something. Right. Um, and then life will just decide. And especially as, you know, as actors, as you know, there's like, oh, you know, so next month we're going to be in Zimbabwe, like yeah. literally. Like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, this happened, you know, for this last job that i had for this this show long so exhale which is you know i think it's right now it's slated to come out in, in april at some point you know um i it was i had been auditioning like a fiend and also this the whole you know self-tape thing was fully in 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 it was fully happening because you know mm. there are no more audition rooms there are no more like real meetings um right and so i'd just been doing those and no feedback and I'm like, oh my god, wow! I must, uh, I must really suck, um, and just never knew. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, yeah. it's <laughs> like you. I continually put myself on tape, and it's like I might as well just be sending it up, sending it off into the atmosphere because I don't know where the hell it goes. Like, really? there's nothing, and it's like, yeah. Can I get any sort of feedback? Is there? And it makes it really tough to know if you're progressing, if you're getting, if you're, if you're. Um, learning or if you're, if, if yes. there's anything that you could be doing different to grow. And that's why I think it's so important to continually stay connected, especially as actors to stay connected in acting class and to yeah. keep feeding into things that inspire you, that fill you up with the reason yeah. why you do this. Because if you constantly, at least from my experience, waiting for that feedback and that validation from casting directors or directors or whatever, mm -hmm. you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need, you need friction. You need, um, as much as I love, I was talking a moment ago about like, no, friction is a terrible thing with relationships and sparks and blah, 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 or some analogy, whatever I said, but, um, no, you need somebody to, to 
you know, to push back on, on what you thought was really good. And honestly, um, I, I definitely discovered that in the, as much as, um, I miss casting rooms because mm -hmm. in some way, like when you have an audience, there's something that magic that happens, not to mention you get immediate feedback yeah. and there's that physical energy in the room that you right. feel. Right. But I was also very, I was grateful for the sort of move to self tapes because um, I learned that I had a crutch, which is that I could go into a room and especially if, you know, you get to a certain stage and like you're going like straight to producers or something, which is mm -hmm. always like a blessing to be in that place. I'm able to, I mean, I certainly never do this, but like, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm able to shuck and jive and read the room. Yeah. And, and you realize like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't really do any sort of like character work. I just mm -hmm. had like a vague idea. And then I went and I entertained them. Charmed him. And yep. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and um, now <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> if you do not have it, it is yeah. real obvious um, real quick. And yeah. so that has been as you know much as it like hurts to feel like a hack um sometimes you you need to feel it because you need to update your game yeah you know? yeah so speaking of just the the challenges of doing audition after audition after audition yeah um, just if we could go back a little bit was acting something that you always wanted to to do i know you're mm. from germany and uh, i believe you moved to was it you came to uh, to go to school in Carnegie at Carnegie Mellon. Oh no! So were I, you in the states before that? I was in the states. Yeah. So the I because um, I was going to say your English accent is perfect. It's like wow, you don't even <laughs> say yeah. And um, unfortunately, this <laughs> this is the as was the issue with uh, Wikipedia and um, both and also my passport is you know it says like you know born you know from Heidelberg Germany and and born in, in Deutschland which is true, but both my parents are, were in the U.S. military and were stationed there, and okay. we were only there for four years. And then, okay. and so every time I like also enter, because I'm in Germany with some frequency because I have friends there and, and I love the place, but you know, every time I go through customs, the German you know, uh, border patrol, I suppose, person like looks at my passport and looks at me and just a whole eight sentences of German and I just have to look at him like I'm so sorry you know <laughs> I, or I answer back with like astute mir lied ich mein Deutsch is sehr schlecht and he <laughs> uh, they usually like okay stop 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 please that's oof please don't butcher the language um but I I came to the states when I was you know about like three or four Okay. And I moved to uh, right outside DC again, continuing on the you know military mm -hmm. parents working for the federal government theme. And, you know, I lived in Virginia and I was, you know, just went to sort of the regular public schools there and then um, got a feel for acting in, in high school. Cause I went to a, a school where like my sport that I did growing up was soccer. Mm. And um, when I got to this high school, I learned, to my dismay that I was not good at soccer <laughs> and or certainly not good enough for you know for that team um mm. and so I realized that I could do the plays because it was an all boys uh high school and and yet the 
girls' schools would come in, and we also had like a, a beautiful, again, private school. So we had this amazing theater, mm. and and I figured, you know, I had done some choir and church, and you know, as a child. So let me just see if I could do the musicals, and yeah. um, and I was instantly hooked. Um, I started caring less about you know the my uh, female compatriots and more about you know trying to get uh, get as good as I could and I realized very, what did you love about it oh um I loved that you know I think it was that oh uh, get ready for pretentious pretentious ground here um I loved I can't even say this with a straight face. Um, I, I love that sort of flow state that you get into mm. um, where you get, and this is the great thing about doing high school theater is depending on, you know, the regulations of the school or whatnot, you can do amazing plays as, you know, essentially a child. <laughs> and, um, and if you are, connected to if you even know what being connected to the text means and you just get into the scene and especially if you have the double magic though obviously increasingly rare um good fortune of being with another actor on stage that you just kind of like get um okay so yeah. what are you like 16 at this point because 16 dude, I like when i was in high school, it was there was like this stigma. It yeah. was if you didn't play football, if you didn't play like sports, then you weren't like a dude, you know. And it was like anyone who did theater, it, there was like sort of like, well, they were just kind of different. And so honestly, I just was like, well, I don't want to subject myself to the ridicule. Yeah, and I don't know what it was about my high school where there was like, I think there's this machismo type of mentality you know, especially in, in the United States that if oh, you don't totally. play football yeah. or if you don't play these sports. And so we, as young men grow up, I mean, you, you knew it. And I guess maybe it wasn't as prevalent for you, but the messaging is, man, we got to be strong. We got to play, you know, we got to be tough. And like that theater stuff is for sissies. Yeah. And yeah. so I missed out on a lot of stuff where I may have completely ended up going and doing another profession if it wasn't for fortunately me landing in new york city yeah. and i ended up in an, in an acting class at 24 years old and i was like Damn. holy oh, shit wow. this is what i've been missing this is amazing so yeah you I, never I, had that that type oh, of uh yeah i'm so happy you said that because i also you know i, I suppose in the, in the um for the sake of not wanting to like just talk about myself this whole time, although I realized like I just it's a little coffee with Colin. It's, I'm here to talk about that myself, but like you know, um, I'm happy that you shared your experience because I did have that, and especially like freshman and sophomore year, you didn't do sports, and it was you know the numerous slurs that I'm not going to repeat here, but um, that I got, especially because it was an all boys school. Mm. Um, but I think what, and this was really amazing to see was that if you this is not always the case anywhere but i was very lucky with that school in that if you were really good at it or if you tried really hard and if you brought something to it mm -hmm. um people respected you for it 
like for instance, I started out my sophomore and you know junior. I mean, my freshman and sophomore year. Like a lot of, I don't know how many of my classmates, but a lot of them had had come up through like private elementary and middle school together. Mm-hmm. And I was this rando from Virginia that came in. And the only reason I went was because my aunt had taught there since the place opened in, you know, 1789. Um, <laughs> she would hate that I said that. But um, but so I didn't really know anybody. And, I, and on top of that, I'm like, I want to put makeup on and dance. And yeah. they were like, right? like, whoa, man. <laughs> you know, and by the end of that time, I was the speaker at our graduation. And it wasn't for grades because I can, to this day, barely add. So, and I had a math teacher there. I was like, oh my God, I don't understand what's happening here. I think you really need like some sort of help because it's alarming how much you can't um, do simple math. But, um, uh, but it was because I, maybe there were a ton of reasons, but like, I really loved what I did Mm -hmm. and um, was reasonably good at it. I'm going to look at those tapes right now and like, you know, immediately take back everything I've said. I'm like, no, this kid's terrible. But like, uh, I think if you, I was lucky at that school, but it was also small enough. There was only about like, you know, in my class, I think there were maybe like 80 or 90 guys. And, and if you were able to, um, you know, stick to something and prove that you were relatively good at it, there was some respect, you know, mm. and, and, so, and it helped that like a, a lot of these guys came, you know, like my senior year, there were several guys from the various sports teams that like auditioned for the play and they called it like yeah. trying out. Like, again, it was some, it was like, guys, this isn't, this isn't a cross practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is an audition. Yeah. Um, and I did this hand gesture too. Uh, but, but so was that, I mean, was your experience one of like, were you truly like, concern for your well-being because i was never i knew i was never going to get beat up because nobody wanted to get in a fight and then get expelled and go to public school because yeah. they were all bougie jerks but um you know uh, what was your experience yeah i mean i think typical high school experience where you're just trying to discover who you are and right. where you fit in and uh you know i i guess i just wasn't um i was consider myself a late bloomer. You know, yeah. I, there was always some of the kids that seemed like they had it all figured out. And the, the quarterback of the football team was like the popular guy with the head of the cheerleader, you know, squad and stuff. And um, for me, I guess I was just more introspective growing up and uh, I was good at art. I like to draw. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah. to paint. Um, but um, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I did like to play sports. It was something that I felt like it was something that connected me to other people. And it made me start to feel like I had a sense of uh, confidence about myself because I was, you know, I was good at it. Mm-hmm. But the idea of getting up on a stage and exposing myself to the feelings and emotions oh, of a character, yeah, like I'm like at 16, 17, I'm just like, you know, like as young men, especially where we're not encouraged to really mm-hmm. talk about our feelings or our emotions. Um, to me, that would just have been like too vulnerable, too yeah. nerve wracking, exposing myself for too much criticism. So I, I give you a lot of credit for, you know, for 
discovering something that you were passionate about and just and just going for it. Uh, well, thank you for that. Two things. One, I had great parents, and thankfully, my dad, even though you know, was in the military and and all that, was very much wanting me to go and do plays. And he grew up in Southern California, was a total hippie, and then joined the army. I think by like mistake. Um, but there was, you know, also this sort of. <laughs> It's a it, karma gets you at some point. And, and I was so lucky to be in that place at my high school where I felt like, you know what? I was really, I really have it. I really own it. And I know who I am. And then I went to Carnegie Mellon and they <laughs> uh, destroy you. Uh, they, it was great to be in a class full of talented people. It's so much so that you realize I might be the worst one here. Like I might actually be I'm trying to also avoid this lamp here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like I might be the worst actor here. And um, there were a lot of moments when I would get up and do a monologue in class and there's that silence, you know? And it's not because it was good. <laughs> like, you look up and you feel like you left your heart on the floor. You're breathing heavy and you're ready for the applause. And people are like looking at their notebook and, and you're like, Oh shit, that's terrible. Well, great preparation for a real Hollywood audition. Can I ask what was <laughs> do you have like a worst audition? Do you have one like I love hearing these stories from other actors like or not even worst auditions but one that you like oh, you can't make it up. Like, I have, it's uh, so yeah. How much time do you have Ian? <laughs> All the time in the world. <laughs> um, so when I first started um uh, studying acting and I started going on some auditions in New York City you know, I just, I didn't realize that the do's and the don'ts of, of auditioning and the, this role I was auditioning for was to play a waiter in uh, a New York city restaurant. And in one of the scenes, I'm going through the set of double doors, you know, in the restaurant. And of course, everything you're, you're in a small little casting office. And yeah. so I was like, Oh, I'm going to make this as realistic as possible. I have, my character has to go through these double doors and I run into another waiter with a whole tray and all this, all the dishes and everything get thrown at me and spaghetti ends up on top of my head. And I'm finishing the scene, of course, talking to this girl that one of the other waitresses um, that I'm in love with. And of yeah. course I'm standing there with spaghetti on my head. So I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to boil some spaghetti noodles and I'm going to make this like a real thing. So yeah. I brought yeah, a yeah, bag yeah. of spaghetti noodles into the audition with me. And before I was about to do the audition, I started opening the bag and the casting director was like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, well, I, this is just for the scene. Yeah. And uh, she goes, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so, I mean, immediately right away, I was like, oh, shit. Um, and so, yeah. I started, you, know, you know, it's like as soon as you get in your head about something, you're done. It's yeah. So yeah. It's, I, I mean, everything from that to um, going to use uh. the bathroom before the audition and then going to wash my hands and splashing yeah. water on my pants. So it looked like I wet my pants. And so I'm sitting there in the, in the, uh, the bathroom with the, the blow dryer, like rubbing my crotch, trying to like dry my, my crotch before I'm like yeah. going into the room, auditioning in front of like 10 people. And so worried about people seeing wet stain on my pants that I like completely blew the audition or forgetting a line you know, at a studio audition oh. at CBS Radford in front of like 40 network executives. Yes. I mean, yeah. you name it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's happened. This is, 
Oh God, this is so good to hear. Not <laughs> that's terrible that like, you know, one of the most painful moments of your life. I'm like, oh, I'm so happy that that happened to you. But like, you know, it's 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 great to because every that's also one of the reasons I love, you know, just sort of talking with actors is that they, you know, you you have these conversations about like what's the um what's the worst audition that you've had yeah. what's like a low so moment. please do tell ian so well, i don't I, feel I, so bad <laughs> i've had definitely the ones where um you know i've made up lines that weren't there i had this is not <laughs> this doesn't necessarily um i'm trying to think like because there's one that i could tell but it then it's very obvious about what the thing is and it's i, I don't want to burn that bridge the one that really like sticks in my mind is I have like this callback and it might've even been like a studio test or something. And it was for this horror film that thankfully like never saw the light of day. Um, but I was really excited about it. And in it, like something has happened and like there's something where maybe the house was like alive or something. And, and my girlfriend and my brother are in this room and the house like incinerates them or something so pretty grim and um and i'm supposed to and i you know have this moment where you know he sobs and he breaks down because his girlfriend and his wife were, or his and his, his brother was just eaten by a house sure of course um, naturally this makes sense yeah um and it was in the actual audition took place in basically like a corporate office like one of those and like i think it might have been at the fox lot but it was in like one of those sort of corporate buildings and so you've got these like nasty ass halogen bulbs over oh. and it feels as though some assistant to the cast director went to like a yard sale for like a, you know, um, mid-century modern house or like an estate sale or something. And they got all this random ass furniture. And the only reason I talk about that specifically is because there was a lamp that was sort of this geometric shape. And so it had flat like mirrored surfaces mm -hmm. and it was right above one of the producers who was sitting right in front of me sitting on a couch and the lamp is like pretty much like here-ish okay and he has his leg crossed and he has something in his lap which i was assuming like was a ipad with my headshot on it or something like that or maybe he's looking through the resume or or the script or again i'm not sure who this man is but he's important and um and I'm going through this moment where I'm like, <laughs> you know, snot is flying. And I am so proud of myself. Like I got there, I got there. And then it's I actually not, think back on it. I'm yeah. like, it's far too much. <laughs> but like, you know, I just wanted to prove that I had it. And, um, and I look up and like just happened to be like right in my eye line. I think I'm saying the line, like they're all dead. <laughs> like as I see it, I see off the reflection that he's playing Angry Birds. Oh, no shit. And I thought, I was like, oh, you know what? This might be something the character would do because he was also kind of gutsy. And I said in the audition room, I was like, excuse me, sir, I'll, I'll wait for you to be done. No. And the guy goes, oh, you're done. Thank you so much. Oh! <laughs> and I was like, Oh, like he was so unrepentant and for his wow. angry birds. And I felt like I'll stand up for myself. And uh, it was another reminder that, um, 
if you're not paying for this movie, you're not in charge. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, a lot of humbling experiences like that. Um, yeah. In your career, what would you say that, because uh, I do like to, to talk about like yeah. having a goal and a dream and, you know, what were the, what were some of the most difficult things that you had to overcome in pursuing and getting to where you're at in your career? Oh man, that's such a great question. Cause I, you know, I, I, I have the goal of being able to like be in my deathbed and say, Oh, I had like, I had a successful career as an actor. And to me, that is having worked pretty much up until that point where they said like you can't work anymore like you can't memorize your lines and like you don't have eyes anymore or something I don't know. um you know but you did i i did work that was challenging um that i found fulfilling that i was excited by i traveled the world i was able to you know feed and clothe my family while mm -hmm. you know emoting on screen um but the that would be an ultimate goal of mine but i i think the the challenges that have thus face me it's odd because it's kind of reversed as in pretty little like i graduated from cmu and i came out to la and the first pilot audition that i had in los angeles was pretty little liars oh wow and again did you have an agent at the time i did you know i was very lucky in that um you know cmu has like a showcase program and i was you know um, again, by pure luck, I was doing this play at CMU that was all movement based. Like we were, it's like one of those very new agey sort of things that didn't really make sense. And you're an amoeba. Yes, it was. We were trying to show like you know how capitalist greed like crushes the, the little man, which again I can get on board with. But why are we all naked? You know, <laughs> um, and and so we were also in, I was in amazing shape and. Uh, this is also a quick tangent, the same play, my own mother came to see like a rehearsal of it and then went and then decided, she was like, look, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm going to go see your roommate, John Michael's play, which was Into the Woods. And I was not in that. And I was like, but I, you don't want to see your son? She was like, no, <laughs> I would rather see this thing. You know, I don't know what your, what your bullshit's about. Yeah, I've seen um, you too much. Yeah, it's like, I, I gave birth to you. Yeah. But, um, but because I was in this great shape and then i went to showcase and they were like oh he's like a relatively good looking guy let's send him out for all these you know parts where he just needs to show up like in a wet t-shirt or something i don't know um and i got very lucky and i got pretty little liars and then shot the pilot wasn't fired from the pilot and then it went to you know the front 10 back when you know seasons were 20 episodes mm -hmm. um and then it got picked up for 20 episodes and then it was a hit and then boom, seven years. Hmm. But I never had that point or I never had that sort of experience of an actor of like auditioning, auditioning, getting, getting the pilot that doesn't go, getting the movie that you then get cut out of, getting any number of things or getting what you think is that break, what you think is that thing that really changes the game and then having it taken away from you. And so I'm sort of having a career that's in reverse which is ever since Pretty Little Liars ended, I that pendulum has swung in the opposite direction, which is, and it, I, I want to you know be clear, I'm insanely grateful for it mm -hmm. because I have had the best 
disappointments, you know, where I did this pilot a couple of years ago, where it was literally like, I'm sitting at Video Village and it was me, Lee Daniels, Lisa Kudrow, and Whitney Cummings all like hanging out and they look at me and they're like, what do you think we should do with this scene, Ian? Well, <laughs> what? Wait, who, me? Me? I was like I was I was like the seventh lead on a cable show. Like, <laughs> and you're asking me, Lee Daniels, you know, um, and and then that went away for various like corporate business reasons, and then the mm. pandemic came, and it just what you know. And so, I am very grateful for those experiences mm-hmm. because it does give you a seasoning, and like you can see it, like, and I'm sure you've worked with like younger actors that have just kind of like been very lucky. Like they haven't Mm. had, you know, they haven't had somebody tell them they're too old. They haven't had the, you know, losing out on a part because you look too much like the casting director's Mm ex-husband, you know, and which I've gotten like a couple of times that I'm a little alarmed by, (laughs) but you know, so it's good. It sucks. Yeah. (laughs) but it's good. And I mean, it's been the same thing for you. I imagine like you, I feel like you have shown, like you're, you've shown up in everything. And yet there are times when I'm sure that you feel like, am I, am I a joke? Like, am I, like just how, how do you grapple with that? How do you, yeah, I mean, what is that from my experience and, and just talking to, uh, to other actors, man, a lot of it is just keep showing up, mm-hmm, keep mm-hmm. showing up, keep showing up. And, if you love what you do, it's going to show. And uh, one of the reasons why I did leave Hollywood three years ago, because I yeah. now live in Chicago, because my audition. Oh, I love Chicago. Sorry. Love Chicago, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, I started going into my auditions with this. Um, I was just, I was, uh, I was getting bitter about the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my joy for acting just wasn't there anymore. And, um, you know, I think once you reach a certain level of, you know, in your career, whether it's acting or anything, yeah. and you find it hard to maintain that level, anything less than that, I was frustrated that I knew I wanted to get back up to that level. And I knew like, all right, you know, I've done these movies and these TV shows yeah. with these caliber of, of talent and yeah. production. And so... You know, I'm sure you've heard the old adage, you know, um, the easy part is getting to the top. The hard part is staying there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was, you know, I started to study and I started getting some, you know, relatively, um, I started to achieve a relative modicum of success early on in my career. And it just, you know, it slowly started to build on top of each other. And I was like, all right, this is actually growing. And there was, you know, some three-year periods where, nothing was really happening, but I loved going to acting class. I loved learning. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. loved the process. And the more that I kept playing in that space of not being attached to getting the job, the jobs just came. Yes. And yes. later on in my career, after I got to a certain place where I was like, all right, I'm going to go into this job. I got this one. And I felt like I nailed the audition, did a great job and yet didn't get it. And then it didn't get it, mm-hmm. didn't get it, didn't get it. And then mm-hmm. after a certain point, you know, I, I, I started questioning whether or not I just wanted to keep auditioning and keep hearing no, 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 no. And yeah. I think what 
what was uh, holding me back was I feel like I started to um, just get bitter. Mm -hmm. I started getting mm -hmm. bitter about seeing other actors get the parts that I had auditioned for and felt like, well, you know, why didn't they pick me? And then I, you know, get into that negative space of doubting myself. And so I had to really take, take a really uh, hard look at where I was at. Yeah. And uh, honestly, for, for a good 20 years, I was going nonstop, mm -hmm. nonstop. Mm -hmm. And as actors, you know, we, it's, you can get to this point where you become singularly focused on one goal. And that was to get the job, to get the job at the expense mm -hmm. of relationships, life, mm -hmm. life, family, missing out on nephews and nieces birthdays. And I just decided, you know what, I think I need to just take a step back, push the reset button, go live life. Yes. Get yeah. out of this, this kind of one track, you know, sit, I mean, LA is great, but it is, you know, it's singular, track. pretty much singularly focused on entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I just got tired of going out and every time just even going to an Irish pub, like Dublin's up on Sunset, it was, uh, oh, you know, I wrote a script. You know, I could you introduce me to and just being like, you know, I wrote the script and, you know, anytime anyone would ask you, how are you doing? It was all, well, I had this audition and it sucked. And no, no, I didn't ask about your auditioning. I asked yeah, how yeah. you were. Yeah. And um, I felt like every time I came back to Chicago back here, I just felt filled up with, uh, yeah. just, you know, my peeps. And I think yeah. it's so important to find your tribe, to surround yourself with people who see you for who you really are, not just mm -hmm. because of what you've done or what you can do for them. And I think Hollywood, there is a lot of that, uh, angling where who is this person how can they help me get to that next place in my career mm -hmm. and um and i just took a break came back here three years ago and it's one of the, the most amazing things that has ever happened to me because it was a difficult decision to leave because in a way i thought like in some sense i was giving up on my dream but i just mm -hmm. kept reminding myself you know what i need to just step back and see if i miss it Yes. See if it's something that I still loved and see if it was something that would come back around. And sure yeah. enough, as soon as I left, I couldn't get arrested in Hollywood those you know, last year, year and a half that yeah. I was there. Come back here, booked an independent film within two weeks of moving back here, yeah. then booked a role on Chicago Fire. And then yeah. I ended up meeting a woman who was like, Hey, you want, you want to write a book? And I was like, what, what is, how do you do that? I don't know how to write a book. Yes. And it was one of these things where, I knew I needed to listen to my heart. I knew I needed yeah. to listen to my instincts and something was just calling me back here. And I think you can't go wrong when you listen to your heart, when you listen to your instincts, even if your mind is telling you, no, dude, you like you worked this hard and da, 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 da. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I need to just get reconnected back down here. And yeah. um, the best experience for me, because now that I've been away for it enough, um, I've started to dis discover a whole new world where I now teach acting, which I absolutely love. Yes. Yeah. Um, I teach these inspired courses and I, I just do a lot of, I'm really into um, just, you know, Tony Robbins and all this amazing, great stuff yeah. that has really started to reinvigorate my passion for life and my career. And so all around, it has just been an amazing experience. And it makes me now realize that, yes, I still love acting, it's still something that I really want to do. And, um, and I, I knew that I need to take a little bit more control of my career 
instead of going into these rooms and expecting people to pick me for their for their projects yes how can i start to create my own projects to be able to uh to be able to still continue to do what i love to do which leads me mm -hmm. to my next question yeah yeah because you've started to do some of this on your own you've written your own book and yeah, yeah. Um, and you you produced your own essentially a uh uh, what, how would you describe it? Is it is it like a yeah, the nature a, documentary? Yeah, it's it, well. Uh, if we're talking about we're talking about feral, this thing yes. is out on Discovery Plus. Plug, um, but um, you know, it, it was it was something that I was always interested in because I've always been interested in, in birds. But um, before I get there, and I know we might be running out of time, so I'll make this quick. But I really want to like punch home the point that I really think that you're making, which is it, this is everywhere. So I think this applies to everybody, especially people that are maybe watching right now that are not actors, but just there's this concept of hustle and it's very mm -hmm. like American and it feels like it's on steroids in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. which is like the stuff that you see, like the hashtag no days off, like that's <laughs> stupid shit. I mean, I just, it makes me fear. And there's that's part of me that like, badge of honor. <laughs> when you see these people's and like these influencers, like talking about like, you know, I don't sleep. And then you see in like the tabloids, like their life is in shambles. There's a bit of me that is a little bit, gleeful about it not like i don't want them to you know i think there's a part of me that's like yeah because it's a sham mm -hmm. and and workaholism is the only addiction that we support as country mm. nobody's like hey you know what i'm gonna do this weekend a ton of meth everybody says for the most part like you shouldn't do that you know but if you say like hey guess what i'm not gonna like really see my family because i'm gonna work 20 hour days people mm -hmm. like well <laughs> cool down man but i really you know support the hustle and, and I think it is dangerous. It's toxic. It's also, you don't actually need to hustle that much. I think there's this, if we had a, another like two hours here, I could, you know, this is, this is something that I'm very interested in. And also one of the reasons I'm in Connecticut right now, you know, because <laughs> I cannot surround myself in this LA I don't want to say cesspool of that. That's the word that came to <laughs> my mind where, where it's just the constant, you know, I need to be on all the time. And I think that yeah. makes you very boring. And all of the actors that I have like always looked up to, like somebody that I love is, is Viggo Mortensen. Mm. Um, he has his own printing press. He goes, mm. you know, he goes around the world doing like, you know, he is just a fully rounded person that also acts. Mm -hmm. And, or I respect those sort of character actors. Like I'm blanking on his actual name, but he was the dad in Frasier and he was a Chicago actor. Oh yeah, John Mahoney. John Mahoney. Yeah. And how his whole thing was basically like, he did Frasier practically to fund his theater addiction, you know? <laughs> and that that to me, like I almost get teary-eyed thinking about it. I would love that. Yeah. Like if you, if you did TV to like, you know, as you know, like TV is, a great income you know and and especially now you get these shorter episode orders and like mm -hmm. you could do five months of work and like the next two years are funded for you you know mm -hmm. and and then to go and do a play that maybe no one will see but you feel fulfilled by it like that is a dream of mine my dream mm -hmm. is to not be it, or my dream isn't to be this like top a list like i got three assistants and i never see my kids you know like that's yeah sounds like a nightmare sounds like psychosis 
So was um, the reason yeah. you left to go to Connecticut, was that just for personal reasons? You just wanted to get out of LA for a little bit or? Yeah, I wanted to not be surrounded by the business. I wanted yeah. to see some trees that hopefully won't burn in the next 10 years. Um, I, you know, I, there's a lot, I don't mean to crap on LA. I think it is a really amazing city and there's a lot of culture there that is completely apart from the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And I have a bunch of friends that I, I did find my tribe in LA. The issue mm -hmm. is that they were in LA, you know? So, um, and I'm trying to convince them all to move here, but um, you know, I, I have also needed a little bit of like, I'm starting to um, get this like hustle mentality mm -hmm. and it's starting, it's making me look at people as like a means to an end as yep. opposed to a person. Yep. Um, all of the stuff that, you know, we've talked about ad nauseum, but, you know, I started to move away from that a little bit when a couple of years ago, you know, writing this book, you know, that is literally, it's about bird watching. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> if I'm trying to be as like, as unsexy as possible that's step number one um but it was something it was this passion that i had that was so meaningful especially at a time of like heightened fame and scrutiny and yeah like feeling very disconnected from reality because you meet people that like you know you go to like a, a restaurant and people you know like leave you their number while you're also sitting across from your wife like it's just a <laughs> it's and gross like, and it's yeah and i'm like oh so subtle <laughs> you know yeah um but this like hobby that i had of going birding was basically uh, it, it is it is a physical embodiment of being present mm. yes you can pull out your phone and try and like you know make a call or something so that you know you attract their attention or whatnot but for the most part you just need to be outside and just present and, and if you can do that, you know, it's amazing what you can see. And, and so I wrote a book about it and, and there were people at the time were like, okay, wait a minute, hang on. This, this is a joke, right? And I was like, no, this is no, I dead really, serious. <laughs> like, so you literally just walk through a forest knowing that these type of species of bird are going to be there. And so you just like, do you kind of sit and hide behind a tree and wait till you see, like, how do you actually bird watch? Like, you know, there, there's all kinds of things. And actually I'm going to probably early next week. Um, I don't know if it's still going to be there, but uh, often if you go to like, if you, if you follow any of like the websites, the chat rooms or whatnot, which just sounds like <laughs> a recipe for disaster right there. But um, you know, there, there, I'm trying to tell two stories at once. Okay. Right now on the coast of Maine, there's something called a stellar sea eagle. I saw one in captivity. That does not count. Um, but it is a gigantic eagle. And they are native to like um, the seas around Asia and Russia. They're, mm -hmm. they're not from around here. But for some reason, the son of a bitch is in Maine. <laughs> so um, you go and like you see him. And in some ways, the thing that I love about it is, yes, you get to see this majestic wildlife and you get to see something and that like is out of context. And, but for the most part, it's an adventure that you have, you know, if I go down to, let's say high Island, um, it's along the Texas Gulf coast, you travel through Galveston, which is just this interesting little town, this town that was supposed to be like a, in, um, like a commercial Mecca at one point. And then it just completely bottomed out. 
and you don't know why and and there's all sorts of there's like these weird funky graveyards so it's it's almost after a while like it's not about the bird anymore it's about the experience that you have mm. and so sometimes yeah it's very much about the bird you know you you go and freeze your ass off on the coast of maine to see an eagle that's you know twice the size of a bald eagle like that's pretty cool it looks like a yeah. fake bird because it's so huge um but for me it was very grounding and for some reason it just took my manic focus off of mm -hmm. the industry and career and me 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 yeah um and so yeah i tried to tried to you know write a book about how do you how do you balance that how do you yeah. how, like me trying to escape like skipping a premiere to go you know see a arctic loon you know uh, but <laughs> people are like you are fucking crazy like what if you lost your mind <laughs> yeah i also just sent coffee up my nose that's great <laughs> We can't edit this out. I take it. Um, um, well, dude, yeah. I could. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, and I probably will have to have you back here. But uh, real quick, I just have some questions that some of my audience members have for us here. Yeah. Um, Sharon Kalma wants to know: other than your book, what book is your favorite that you would recommend? To Anything read? written by the host of this podcast, um, uh, <laughs> but but also. Um, uh, oh man, I, there are a bunch, um, that again, if we had another hour, I feel like th maybe that's the next one. Maybe the next time I come on, we just talk about books. Um, okay. but I, I, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, the, the, I think if we're talking about, you know, this, this podcast, obviously it has to do a lot with like inspiration. And I think somebody that is really helped me is is uh, Ryan Holiday who has distilled a lot of like stoic philosophy into very sort of um, modern and tangible um, bits of advice and and mm -hmm. I've loved he, he has a book called The Obstacle is the Way that I really adored um, I read a ton during the pandemic clearly because all the time in the world um, there was a, a, a little life uh, who's the author that I'm, I'm blanking on that person's name, unfortunately. Um, I really love, you know, who, who I think you should absolutely have on this podcast and who I think is right up the sort of having other things to do as opposed to being in the industry is Nick yeah. Offerman. Um, mm. I'm reading his most current book, which I thought was going to be again, sort of like one of these Hollywoody, like back, you know, when I was super famous and now I'm just more famous, you know, like I thought it was going to be one of those, but it's a very thoughtful and, and um, entertaining book. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, definitely have to check him out. And Miriam, if you're listening, get a hold of Nick Offerman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you spiritual? Am I spiritual? I think, I think a little bit. Yeah. I, I think uh, for a while I was, it was, very anti everything i think you know when you're raised irish catholic and you don't address oh you too <laughs> right right <laughs> you don't deserve anything and I'm jesus died guilty for you. just living sorry you walk into a room and i'm you're right i'm so sorry yeah uh, uh, 
if something is wrong here, I should feel guilty about it. Um, which again, is, I'm coming to discover, you know, my aunt is like a theologian and, and the more that I talk to her, she's like, I don't know where you learned that because that ideally is not the gist of it, you know? And, but I, if spirituality means um, removing yourself from the center of the universe and being open to um, the intangible while not being um, duped by just mere superstition, mm. then I am spiritual. You know, um, my wife and I do everything from like reading Psalms to pulling tarot cards and, and, and taking it all sort of with a grain of salt. You know, I think at no point do we pull a tarot card and we're like, this is the truth. This is, you know, the future. It's sometimes it's, yeah. well, how do we feel about this? Does this yeah. register? Nah, it doesn't. Okay, cool. We'll put that on the bottom of the pile, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of ish. Yeah. 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 Yep. Similarly, I feel like, you know, don't get me started, but uh, I've got my, my opinions about, institutionalized religion and how it yeah. uh it can you know if if taught the wrong way or if if uh preached about in a way that makes you feel less than um which mm -hmm. a lot of the times that that can be the case um you know i i try to look at spirituality from a place of uh god universe spirit whatever you want to call it is uh it's not some dude sitting up on a cloud like mm -hmm. deciding who gets what um, I believe it's more so that is here in, yeah. in within each and every one of us. And that I think when we connect to, uh, to that spiritual um, place that resides, I think each within each and every one of us, I believe without getting too woo woo here, I believe we're spiritual beings have a, having a physical experience on this, this planet for the short amount of time that we mm -hmm. are here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it, behooves us to uh to make the most of that and spread as much a much as much connection and abundance and love and joy while we are here and uh i think a lot of the times institutionalized religions has prevented that from from being the case um not you know not all the time but um and i'm not saying that it's a bad thing i'm just saying um i think my philosophy is more in line with what you mentioned where I kind of yeah. like look at Buddhism and look at all these different types of religions out there and see like, you know what, this resonates, this doesn't. And, uh, and I think whatever we can do to, to use, to get us through the day, to feel, help us feel connected, uh, mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. grander version of ourselves. I think that, that is, uh, I think that's the most useful thing that we, how we can look at it. Yeah. Uh that's my yes. perspective. But yeah. uh, again, I think we could continue this on for, for a lot longer. Um, but as we wrap up here, I just want to say thank you for being here, Ian. Um, want to wrap up with asking you these little few questions about your favorite movies, if I could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, what is your favorite movie of all time? You know, I, I got these questions a little while ago and I was like, oh man, this is tough. Because um, my favorite movie of all time God. there are like five but to to boil it down favorite movie of all time mm, i i do think um i do think saving private ryan 
might Amazing. be my favorite or or honestly anything that tom hanks is in he's yeah he's my guy like i just think yep he's a national treasure yeah so so yeah. maybe that or forrest gump I, I don't know it's it's all yeah. over the place awesome awesome uh what was your favorite movie growing up favorite movie growing up um anything robin williams was in um mm. we actually just watched because it was a snow day in New York recently where we were, we were staying at the moment. And, and my wife, whenever there was like a snow day for her, or there was a day off, which I mean, she grew up in Miami, so there was never a snow day, but, um, but the, if, if, if uh, hook with Robin oh. Williams. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'd forgotten and we watched it again. I was like, I've never how... actually seen it. What? I have not seen <laughs> No, I haven't seen it. There are, let me preface this. There are some things that have not aged well. <laughs> and you can go like, oh, cool. This would not be in movies today. But like, um, and um, rightfully so. But but again, Robin Williams can do no wrong. But If you yeah. guys who are here have seen Hook, please write in the chat, right? Yes. I want to see how many people who are here actually have seen the movie Hook. And if you haven't, I guess we are all watching Hook this week. Uh what is your favorite movie that um, what would you say is your favorite comedy? Favorite comedy? Yes. Oh man. Um, again, Robin Williams and my, 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 I, I, I think the first one that came to mind, maybe, Maybe it's either it's somewhere tied between Anchorman, um, or and I know I know it's amazing. Just, I mean, it's the commitment to absolutely a, a stupid premise that yeah. I just like love and adore. Um, although I do love. Um, By the way, there's everyone is saying yes they've seen Hook. I'm the only person yeah. here who hasn't seen it, so. Oh, Sherry Powell has not seen it. Thank you, Sherry. Awesome. I, it is. It I think is Sherry and I have watching. a movie to watch this week. Thanks right. for the recommendation. Uh, favorite romantic comedy. Oh yeah. So I was thinking about this, and and I I really love um, you've got mail, um, mm. sleepless and see. I just recently watched these because I hadn't seen them, and then I watched them as an adult and was absolutely smitten. Although. Maybe one of my favorite romantic comedies is um, is Beginners with um, Ewan McGregor and uh, Christopher Plummer. And I forget the name of the director. Man, I hope somebody in the comments could, you know, uh, help me on this. But is it, if not Mike White, maybe it's Mike White? No. Uh, but Beginners with Ewan McGregor. Okay. It's... Top notch. It's so okay. good. Great suggestion. So good. We'll have to check it out. Uh, who's your favorite actor? I guess you've already said it. Mr. I, Hanks, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that or, you know what? It's it's truly tied. I think Denzel Washington or mm. I have loved Javier Bardem mm. since seeing him in, in No Country for Old Men, which also might be tied for one of my favorite movies. Like it was one of those and I'm sure you have the same experience when you see a movie and you are not thinking about how they shot it. You're not, you're not thinking about what the actor's doing. You are truly transfixed. And I was 
cut to my core with Bardem's experience, or well, I guess maybe his experience in it. It was it was um, illuminating to say the least. Awesome and actors. Actor, I mean, obviously the the Meryl Streep and and um, but but you know who I absolutely adore, and I really hope to work with because. Carrie Mulligan, I think, is um, really one of a one one in a generation type thing. She, I feel like, can do. She has just such a depth and brings everything to a part, mm-hmm. and I just think she's top notch. I think she's probably yeah. my probably my favorite. Do you ever see Inside Lewin Davis? Yeah. Oh yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I also, I have a movie that like I absolutely love, and when I tell people about it, they were either like, "God, that movie was depressing," or had never seen it. And it was one that she did with Andrew Garfield and Kira Knightley called "Never Let Me Go," and it was oh. based on a Kazuo. Um, I'm butchering this, excuse me, but Kazuo Ishiguro um, novel, mm. and um, it's devastating but fantastic. And she is just not even human in it she's you know it's it's pretty alarming it's it's you know it's one of those things sometimes when you watch something you're like i will never be this guy (laughs) like this is and you just have to accept it you're like okay yeah all right that's another level that is that's up there yeah Um, and we're we're here we're now hey you never know i mean when it's that right role it's it's like catching lightning in a bottle yeah and uh dude i it's just been an amazing opportunity and experience to chat with you and uh appreciate your time i know we've we've kind of gone a little bit uh late here later than we uh said we were going to be but i was enjoying it so much that i just wanted to keep it going yeah um and before we chime off here uh what would you last question what would you um like to share with people out there who are considering getting into acting or pursuing their dream in general Mm. um that uh or maybe something that you would tell your younger self that you'd like to share? Um, you know, I, I, there, there are two things. If I could tell my younger self anything, it would be get, um, get into every aspect of what you do. Like I think for, for so long I was like, mm, I'm not a director. I'm not a writer. I'm not. Blah, blah, blah. And now I'm only starting to think about that, you know, mm. and then, and I'm, you know, in my, in my thirties. And so, which again, you still have time. You really, until the day you stop breathing, you've got time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that especially people getting into anything that they're really passionate about, you know, I, I would think that um, the thing to bear in mind is it doesn't always feel good. I think there's this little bit of like, there's that adage that is tossed around a little too easily, which is, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I think that is 80% true in that I, I do what I love and it's still a slog sometimes yeah and that's part of it you know um just because you know you've thrown off the the reins of the nine to five and you're pursuing your dream as like a painter or something it doesn't mean it's not going to suck a lot yeah. you know um also this clicking is this old radiator that's Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> like, sorry. This is the the mob that's breaking into my house. It's going to kill me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that's what I would say. I mean, it, yeah. it's 
the idea of like sticking with it is too easily said. Yeah. But you know, oh, great advice. Definitely yeah. great advice. All right, my friend, great chatting with you. Thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Would love to, uh, to link up at some point and who knows, maybe we'll be uh, playing with each other on set someday soon. Yeah, so. Put it out there yeah. and manifest it. Cause yeah. that would be an absolute pleasure. It'd be a dream. Yeah, thank you for having me, and uh, you know, good night, all all the folks in the uh, the comment section. Thanks for thanks for coming out. Awesome. Take care, my friend. Have a good one. All right, everyone. Awesome interview. I think this is probably our longest interview uh, ever. This is awesome. Um, again, I think we're just going to have to have Ian back here because just a wealth of knowledge, as you could tell. I think uh, you enjoyed just how uh, how just honest and real and humble he is and uh, a lot of really great advice. I think one of the things that he said that I really loved um, the most was having the best disappointments, the best disappointments, meaning, and what I take from that is that uh, even though things may not work out the way that you want them to, that when we look back at those things that maybe in the moment feel like disappointments, they can be something that you can really look back and be like, wow, you know what? That really was an amazing experience and what could I learn from it? What was, uh, what was great about it? And, uh, and just talking about um, knowing that not everything is going to be easy. Not everything that we see on social media, that's not how it really is all the time. And I think sometimes we can naively just be lulled into this sense that everyone is having an amazing life and that life is, uh, you know, life for us is, is difficult and it is a struggle um, but this is, you know, if, if it's something that you really care about, if it's something that you really want to do in life, it's going to be hard whether or not it's your dream or not. So you might as well go after the things that you, you love that inspire you and, uh, and you know, that are going to make a big difference, um, in, in the world. And when you look back in life, like Ian said, when he's older, he wants to be able to look back and know that what he was doing, that he gave it his all and, uh, Man, what an uh, what an amazing guy! Thank you for sticking around for as long as you guys have. Appreciate it. We will see you guys all back next week. Have an amazing rest of your week, and I will see you guys all very soon. Take care for now.